Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everyone. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Pal Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. Got a powerful guest for you this week. Jessica Berman, the newly named commissioner of the NWSL Women's Pro Soccer League. She's going to join me. Lots going on with that league. We'll talk about the state of the league, the growth of women's sports, what she wants to do as commissioner of the NWSL. Great conversation with Jessica Berman coming up on our show today. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing good, and uh, Jessica's great. I mean, what a what a big uh, shoes to fill, but she's going to do great at it, and uh, that league just continues to grow. We've seen it with Angel City and some of the other teams, so exciting times for NWSL, and uh, just excited to see where they move forward. Yeah, let's get to our sports business radio headlines of the week, because the first headline is, history was made last week when U.S. soccer and the men's and women's national teams announced a collective bargaining agreement that will see the team's athletes receive equal pay. So the agreement begins on June 1st. It runs through 2028. It's going to see World Cup prize money pooled between both teams and split equally. To give you some idea of World Cup money, France's men's team received $38 million after winning the 2018 World Cup. The U.S. women's national team, which won one year earlier, took home only $4 million. So it's about time. We've been talking about equal pay for a long, long time on this show. And this is a good step in the right direction, Griggs. Yeah, I agree. And it has taken too long. But uh, thank God we are finally moving forward in the right direction. And uh, that's a big, big, uh, big agreement. So I'm happy to see that moving forward. So ESPN reported that players will receive the same amounts for the U.S. Soccer Federation controlled matches. It's $18,000 for a win, $12,000 for a draw, and $8,000 for a loss if the opposing team is ranked in the top 25. So those are some of the numbers. We'll dig into this more with Jessica Berman on our show 
this week coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, all right, another headline, Justin Thomas. What a comeback at the PGA Championship. He was down seven strokes. He comes back to win. He beats Will Zalatoris in a playoff. $2.7 million for the win. That's the second largest payout in tour history. Cam Smith won $3.6 million by winning the 2022 players. This moved Justin Thomas into 12th all-time on the money list. He's now got a win in each of the last eight years, which is showing consistency. And he moved from ninth to fifth in the world rankings and from 15th to fourth in the FedEx Cup standing. So huge win for JT. Anytime you can win a major, it's big. The other big news of this tournament was Tiger Woods had to withdraw before the final round. So he made the cut, but then you could really see him laboring and he had to withdraw in, you know, before the final round. So that was a tough blow for Tiger, but you know, he's going to try and make it to St. Andrews for the open over there. Yeah, I think Justin Thomas, I mean, wow, what a comeback. That's so fun on, on Sunday when you have a big comeback like that. And uh, seven strokes is no joke. And uh, man, the conditions were rough too. Thursday and Friday, it was like 30 mile an hour winds all day long. I mean, it was, it was definitely a battle out there on that course. Fun to watch him play it. But JT, I mean, this is going to only move him forward in the endorsement world too, because like you said, consistency. He's winning every single season and now he's moving up on the major. So great win for him. Well, and you've got to feel for me to Pereira, right? He comes up to the 72nd hole. He's got a one-shot lead. I don't know what he was doing. It's like he didn't take his time at all. He hits driver and yanks it right into the water. And, you know, he loses uh, his ball, and he ends up taking a double bogey. He doesn't even make the playoff. So what a way to lose that tournament. So as much as people were talking about JT's comeback win, they were also talking about Pereira's absolute collapse on the 18th hole, you've got to go conservative there. At least worst case scenario, you want to go into a tie and go into the playoff. You don't want to not even get into the playoff. And and that's what happened to him. So huge disappointment for him, but big win for Justin Thomas. All right. NBA and NHL playoffs. As we record this, the heat and the Celtics are tied at two. The Warriors lead the Mavericks three to nothing. They could wrap it up tonight and advance to the NBA finals. Griggs, that Heat Celtic series is, I've never seen anything like it. One game, one team looks like they're a world beater, and the next game, they look like the worst team in the NBA. It is a physical series. It's all over the map. Players getting injured. You have no idea what to expect from one game to the next in that series. Yeah, it is absolutely shocking. Like you said, last night, I think it was like 20 to one at one point in that first quarter. I was like, are they going to even score five points in the first quarter? It was just all over the place. And one game, they're down 25, they come back. They don't come back. It's just absolutely amazing. I mean, I think this has got to go to seven just because of each team seems to play the next game good, then they suck the next game. So I think it's going seven. It's been fun to watch, but it is really lopsided and weird to have such big deficits in a you know Eastern Conference final series. Meanwhile, the Warriors, as we record this, are healthy. They could have an eight-day layoff and have some much needed rest going into the NBA finals if they can wrap things up tonight with the Mavericks. The NBA finals start on June 2nd. So, you know, if you've got Heat Celtics going seven, they're not going to have many days to rest going into the finals. And then you've got the Warriors who may have eight days to rest. So uh, consider that accordingly. Plus, the Warriors just look really good right now. I mean, the thing that the Warriors, and I will say, the Heat do the best of any teams in the NBA is they develop players. So they'll take undrafted players 
you look at what the Warriors have done with Wiggins and with Poole and with Kevon Looney. And those are three key contributors to their team now that also join Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, the mainstays of the Warriors. Now they've got depth, they've got help, they've got guys they can count on. I mean, what Wiggins is blossoming into looks like the guy that was taken with the first pick in the NBA draft. And I mean, his dunk over Luka was an all-timer in the playoffs. That's been covered from every single possible angle. But the NBA Finals start on June 2nd. All right, the NHL, Colorado, as we record, this is up on St. Louis. Edmonton is up on Calgary. Tampa Bay uh, has defeated Florida. And Carolina is up on New York. So you've got some big markets. These series are also exciting. The previous round, you had a number of Game 7s. So the NHL playoffs are very exciting as well, Griggs. Yeah, they never disappoint. I love watching uh, hockey, especially in the playoffs. The fans are great. The crowds are awesome. Packed out arenas. Those games usually come down to the wire. There's been a couple blowouts. But yeah, I mean, watch out for Tampa because they are looking to uh, to repeat and looking good at it right now. But uh, all good series. It's going to be fun to see where they get in the East and West. All right. We had a high profile dispute this week with two college football coaches, Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. And, you know, you've got name, image, and likeness going on now. There are a number of schools who are recruiting elite college athletes based on what kind of a name, image, and likeness deal they can provide. So Nick Saban was at an event attended by wealthy Alabama boosters, and he said that A&M bought every player on their team, and they made a deal for name, image, and likeness. He says, we didn't pay one player. So a few things. One, he's kind of saying to his Alabama donors, hey, look, we need more money to go out and compete in this new landscape where if you don't offer competitive name, image, and likeness deals to the elite recruits, we're going to lose them to other schools. So I think he was sending a message to his donors there. But then also, it is a little bit hypocritical. I mean, you're Alabama and you've been recruiting these elite players for years. Now, when the landscape is evening out a little bit because of NIL, you're complaining about it. So Jimbo Fisher was not happy about this. He said, we never bought anybody. He called Nick Saban despicable. And remember, Jimbo Fisher used to be on Nick Saban's staff. So these two also have a history. Jimbo Fisher knows more about Nick Saban than the average football coach. So this will be something to watch. But you know, you're going to see more of this as schools use NIL to recruit elite athletes and pay them those deals. It's kind of circumventing the system a little bit in order to recruit. But if you're Alabama, again, it might even out the playing field a little bit because you can't just say anymore, we're Alabama. If you have Texas A&M or someone else saying, hey, we're offering, you know, a million dollars to a player for an NIL deal, Griggs. Yeah, I mean, look, we've seen Alabama basically in the championship game the last 10 years, it feels like. So, you know, I think this is good for that. I think it's going to open up some competition. Maybe some of these other schools get different players because of these NIL deals. So I like that. I love the uh, the Deep South battle in the offseason between coaches. It gives a little bit of punch coming into college football here in August and September. It'd be fun when they face each other on the field. Uh, but yeah, I think it's. I think this is just kind of the tip of the iceberg. We're going to see more of this kind of battling behind the scenes. And sometimes it's out in, for, in the forefront too. But uh, I like it. I like some, some competition with the coaches and boosters. It, it makes it more fun. All right, our next headline. Could Dan Snyder's turbulent tenure as the owner of the Washington Commanders be over soon? This is according to sources from Front Office Sports. 
Uh, they say it's not imminent, but it takes 24 of the league's 32 owners to remove a fellow owner, the same 75% threshold needed to approve the purchase of a franchise. Owners are counting votes to see if there's enough among the 31 other franchises to push Snyder out. Griggs, Dan Snyder has been an embarrassment for the NFL for a long time. You know, we've seen this investigation that's been done, and supposedly the only thing out of the investigation is John Gruden's emails. Thousands of pages of investigation, and the only thing that was wrong was the John Gruden emails. There's got to be more to it than that. I think the owners know this. There's even, you know, things out there about he may have uh, not paid some taxes. Like, at what point does the NFL say, this is a prominent franchise in our league, we don't want these storylines out there continuously like they have been for the last really 10 years. We want someone else owning this team and they force him out. I think it's something to watch. You know, we've talked about the same thing with the Phoenix Suns. What's going to happen with Robert Sarver and that investigation? These are two investigations that have been going on for many, many months. In the Snyder case, it's years. At what point do the other owners or the commissioners say, Enough. And the hard thing is, and this is a dirty little secret, is owners don't like to vote against other owners because if they ever mess up, they don't want anyone ousting them. So that's how this works. But in this case with Dan Snyder just embarrassing the league over and over and over again, at what point does the league say enough? So it's a story to keep an eye on. All right. HBO's Hard Knocks. We've talked about that on this show before. We've had people from HBO and NFL Films on. The Arizona Cardinals are the featured team for HBO's Hard Knocks. Also, the Super Bowl is going to take place in Arizona. So a big year for the state of Arizona, my home state, Griggs. Yeah, it's going to be fun, too. I mean, Hard Knocks always is. We love it. It's always well produced and such a fun show. And I think that's going to be fun being in the desert, a Super Bowl year. Obviously, you got Kyler Murray. you got some great athletes down there. It's going to be fun watching them do that. But I, that show is just so fun to watch. And it's so cool to see behind the scenes and how these athletes actually come to work every day and what they do and what goes into an NFL team. It's fun to watch. All right. Another big headline. We know some friends at Cronky Sports and the Denver Nuggets. Nuggets president of basketball operations, Tim Conley, has agreed to become the Minnesota Timberwolves new president of basketball operations. He met with Timberwolves owner Glenn Taylor on Saturday. He agreed to a deal after having talks in recent weeks with Mark Lohr and Alex Rodriguez. This is according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. Conley is basically going to get a five-year, $40 million deal, which doubles his deal with the Nuggets. Plus, he's getting ownership equity. So this is life-changing money for uh, Tim Conley. He's one of the best executives in the NBA. He drafted uh, Jokic with the 41st pick. I mean, he's had some great draft finds. He was really a big part of the culture for the Nuggets. And, you know, look, people move around all the time. But if you're Stan Kroenke and you're the wealthiest owner in the NFL and you're one of the wealthiest owners in the NBA, you should never lose someone because of money, period. And I know the ownership stake is a big deal, and that's probably what separated uh, Conley from remaining in Denver versus going to the Timberwolves. But you should never lose someone because of money if you're as wealthy as Stan Kroenke. And now they've got to start over. They've got to find a new leader for basketball operations. You wonder what this means for the reigning two-time MVP, Nikola Jokic. Is he going to ask for a trade? Is he going to be happy with the new person that replaces Conley? 
We don't know, but this is two times in a row now where the Nuggets have let uh, Masai Ujiri go to Toronto and now Tim Connolly go to Minnesota. And you're going to start to get labeled there as cheap. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Nuggets, but this is a big win for the Timberwolves. They will be taken much more seriously now, and it shows that Mark Lohr and Alex Rodriguez mean business, and it's a big blow to the Nuggets, Griggs. Yeah, I mean, we saw the Timberwolves in the early rounds of the playoffs. They are a a fun, exciting team. They're young. They're building a good crowd base. I mean, I think they are on the path to success, and they're only going to get better with this move. And then, like you said, uh, the Nuggets. I mean, where are they going? They kind of seem like they were struggling in the playoffs. Do they have that other uh, asset they can add with Jokic? Is Jokic going to be happy? Is he going to be mad about this? But, uh, you know, you make a good point. You can't lose a big, a good exec because of money. And Denver seems to be doing that lately. All right. Our last headline. This is a curious one. So back in April, Wimbledon organizers said Russians and Belarusians would not be allowed to compete at this year's tournament because of what's going on with the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Well, earlier this week, it was announced that the men's and women's professional tours, along with the International Tennis Federation, they've opted to strip its ranking points for Wimbledon. So if you play in Wimbledon this year, you're not getting ranking points. Well, for a lot of players like Naomi Osaka, who came out this week against this move, They said, if you don't have ranking points, it's basically like playing an exhibition. Yes, the prize money's still there, but you're not getting the ranking points. They've taken a straw poll of the tour players on both sides, and about 99% of the players are against this move, and the players feel like they're being penalized for what's going on in Russia, Ukraine. So a lot of tennis players not happy about this. I think it cheapens Wimbledon. And we'll see how this turns out. But Griggs, no ranking points for Wimbledon this summer. Yeah, I don't like that. And obviously the players don't like it, which is a bad look. If 99% of your players don't like it, that's probably not going to uh, bode well for the Wimbledon tournament. But uh, yeah, it just kind of gives a little less, you know, umph and action to it when you're not really playing for rankings. Obviously money's there, but rankings are so important, especially in tennis and how you're seated and all that. So I'm not a fan of this. So it'll be interesting to see where this ends up. All right, before we get to our interview with Jessica Berman, just want to recap a little bit our trip to New York. We were there for Sports PR Summit. It was great to be back in New York after not being there for 1,092 days for Sports PR Summit with some great people on stage. I enjoyed my conversation with NASCAR President Steve Phelps. Really some terrific insight there. Uh, Tom Rinaldi was magical. As always, we had Sandra L. Richards, uh, Hillary night. We had Haley Rosen. We had some great women on stage at our event. And then we got to honor uh, two legends in the sports PR industry, Veda Manager, who worked for many years at Nike, and Rosa Gaddy, who worked for many years at ESPN with Lifetime Achievement Awards. Thanks to Syracuse's Newhouse Sports Media Center for partnering with us on that. But it was great to be back in New York. Griggs, we had some New York pizza. Uh, We had some bagels. We dropped into Central Park for a little bit. So we fit in a little bit of fun and food while we were there as well. Yeah, New York uh, is alive and well. It was fun to be back with just people around and be in person at our event. Great event. Uh, We had awesome weather, 75 and sunny every day. It was just perfect. Uh, A fun trip and good to be back with people in New York City and the food, of course, always good. Yeah. And then, you know, thanks to Roan, they outfitted both of us for Sports PR Summit. I loved having my long sleeve commuter shirt on for the day. Even if I sweat, I don't sweat through my shirt. It's breathable. 
Uh, it was light and airy. I just I felt as good at the end of the day as I did at the beginning of the day. And then since I've been back in Oregon, I broke out my stand-up paddleboard, and I've been wearing my long-sleeve uh, shirts. I've been wearing my eight-inch Eco Lounge Resort short. It is so comfortable. Um, and then Griggs, I know you had joggers and you had your uh, clothing as well from Roan. So we were feeling comfortable in New York. Feeling comfortable and looking really, really sexy because, I mean, it was amazing. <laughs> the commuter pants, yeah, I rocked those at the event. I had a nice uh, one of their black polos, which I loved. And uh, yeah, comfy. You can move around. You can uh, still look classy and uh, be comfortable. It's a great, great. Love Roan stuff. Yeah, and I wore my spar joggers on the cross-country flight, and those were really comfortable too, my rain tech hoodie. So all around, uh, it was great. If you want to get in on the fun with Roan, go to Roan.com. That's R-H-O-N-E.com. Enter promo code SBR15. That's SBR15. You'll save 15% off your next order. All right, coming up next, Jessica Berman, the commissioner of the NWSL, the Women's Pro Soccer League. Anytime we can get a commissioner on this show, it's always a treat. I think you'll enjoy this conversation. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. My guest is Jessica Berman. She's the commissioner of the NWSL. She oversees league operations for the Women's Professional Soccer League. She's in the midst of a four-year term as commissioner. She was with the NLL and the NHL previously. You can find her on Twitter at Jessica Berman One. Jessica, thanks so much for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm doing well today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for making the time. I wanted to have you on for a while. I followed your career at the NHL and the NLL, and congratulations on your role as commissioner of the NWSL. So a big week with U.S. soccer and its women and men's national teams announcing a landmark new contract that's going to pay the squads equally, including a split of World Cup prize money. How does this impact the NWSL? I think what you're seeing is uh, a trend in how women's sports and female athletes are valued by fans, by investors, by leagues, by teams. Uh, so it's really a continuation of a narrative that has been ongoing. I'm sure you're aware we signed our new collective bargaining agreement earlier this calendar year, which had been a negotiation that was ongoing for a long time, certainly long before the NWSL was on my radar as, the, as a place where I was going to join personally. And that deal has our owners committing to pay our players an incremental $100 million over the next five years. And so I, I think there's a lot to celebrate there and really part of a, a broader narrative, a broader cultural narrative about the value proposition of women in our society and women's sports particularly. Right now, you've got 12 teams in the league. I know there's been talk of potential expansion because of that growth and because more people are wanting to invest in women's sports. Since you took over, have you put together any kind of a timeline for expansion? Yeah. Um, and actually, I was working on it this morning. Um, we are going to be taking it to market. Uh, I think the last time the league expanded, and obviously there were two expansion teams that entered our league, which brought us to 12 teams. That's Angel City and San Diego, um, the 
the entire world has changed in terms of uh, the value proposition of women's sports and the demand and frankly, what really is sort of pent up demand and almost an overcorrection in the business environment for where this league can go from a growth perspective. And so we're going to be hopefully within the next month uh, going to the market to determine who will be the best ownership group for our league, what the location should be. Uh, We'll be looking at the facility where the team would be playing, not just games, but training facilities, um, which, as I'm sure you know, has become a huge focus for women's sports. We really have to show up as the league we want to be by providing to our players and our fans a world-class professional athlete experience from beginning to end. And so that's what we'll be putting forward. And it will be interesting to see how the market responds. I can tell you since I joined the league exactly one month ago today, the amount of inbounds and and interested investors who have reached out to me is really beyond my wildest dreams of of what would be possible. Um, Obviously, the proof will be in the pudding once we actually start the process. And we're looking forward to seeing what would make what will make the most sense for this league as the next chapter of our story. Yeah, that's a great problem to have when you have that many people reaching out to you. So I'm in Portland, Oregon, and you've got the Timbers owning the Thorns. In an ideal scenario for you, would you rather have standalone ownership like an Angel City FC or Do you like when you have an MLS team that also owns an NWSL team? Well, Brian, if you followed my career, you know that I'm a huge advocate for diversity. And diversity to me is very uh, multidimensional. And it includes diversity of perspectives and diversity of experience. So um, maybe it wouldn't be surprising to know that I think a balance is what is best for this league. I think having shared ownership groups from Major League Soccer makes a ton of sense. There is economies of scale achieved. There's best practices. Um, There's some uh, overlapping interest in fans and sponsors. That being said, I think there's a lot of value in the independent thinking of investors who are buying an MWSL team solely because it is an MWSL team. And the beauty of diversity is that when you bring people together to make business decisions who have those different perspectives, I genuinely believe you get to the right result or a better result, even if it might take a little bit longer because you have to uh, rationalize different points of view. But with respectful discussion and discourse, you actually end up in a stronger place. And so my perspective is that we should be intentional about having a balanced approach as it relates to those types of ownership groups. I want to talk about your media partnerships, CBS and Twitch. Uh, The ratings for the NWSL keep going up and up and up. How have those partnerships been? It seems like it's getting better where, you know, you're, you're more widely available, which leads to more eyes and ears. Yeah, we're very excited. And I would say sort of 
uh, watching closely to see with each passing game uh, our tune-in metrics and our KPIs on digital platforms, um, both our owned as well as our partners. And the story is a very positive one. Fans are interested in the NWSL. They're watching, they're buying, they're attending. And uh, that's not to say we don't have a lot of work to do to continue to to grow, but um, it certainly sets the stage to be having those types of discussions with new and existing sponsors about renewals um, and bringing in new partners. Um, it's certainly helpful in our discussions with CBS, um, who have been outstanding partners to us and um, remain very interested in helping support the growth of the league. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I think um, the all the ingredients for this league to unlock its potential are there. And we've been obviously very excited about how the league has performed thus far this season. You've got some great stars in the league from the U.S. women's national team. I know other national teams as well, but there have been some players, whether it's Samantha Mewis or Tobin Heath or Rose Lavelle, Christian Press, who have opted to go play in Europe. What do you need to do from the NWSL standpoint to retain those players so that they're not going to play abroad? Yeah, I mean, I think COVID um, inserted some challenges that were out of our control that may have contributed to some of that. Um, And I think what we're seeing is that, you know, really... We're so fortunate that the best players of the world are here domestically. And um, one of the things that make professional sports exciting, I think, is when you are able to watch players who grew up in your communities perform at a high level. And we're fortunate that that's uh, the circumstances for our league. I think as it relates to players and the competition for talent that we know is happening and will continue to happen. We have to continue to be intentional about some of the things that I mentioned earlier, Brian, which are making sure that we're providing that world-class experience that's appropriate for professional athletes so that they want to play in. We want players to be proud to play in the NWSL. It should be what kids aspire to when they're growing up and and playing soccer, playing youth soccer in their communities and having those elite players and particularly the U.S. women's national team players play here is certainly one very important piece of the puzzle. I think the other components that will continue to feed the NWSL success, which we're also seeing, is that international stars are coming to play here. And so that will feed necessarily the desire for the players who are domestic to continue to want to play in their home country. And so um, when we see those uh, international players having success in our league, and there have been several of them um, this year who are really crushing it, um, you like uh, Endo on uh, Angel City, who I've seen play live in person now twice and like when she has the ball, it's like beyond exciting. I think we'll continue to see that feed excitement among the U.S. players as well. 
you stepped into some controversy with this role. It's no secret what happened before you took over. It's pretty well known. How did you gain the trust of the players when you came on board? Well, I, I would say that I'm still gaining their trust um, because I think there's a there's a lot of rebuilding and credibility that needs to be established with them, given what's transpired with the league. I think um, the board did something very smart by allowing players to be part of the interview process. And so as part of my hiring, as you may or may not know, and I think the NWSL might be the only league I know of to have ever done this, I actually had to interview with two groups of players, um, as well as the other candidates that were in the final round with the board to be the commissioner. And their perspective was shared. They shared their perspective with the board. And I think that was a very important step to having them be part of the process and feel like their voice matters and mattered. I think the other, some of the other components are, and we're really fortunate in our labor relationship that Megan Burke has the support of her players. You know, it's not always the case that a union has their constituents support. The fact that Megan does have the support of her players allows for an efficiency in terms of rebuilding that trust to occur between me and Megan at the highest level. And that has a trickle down effect because when she's communicating with her player reps or with the players directly, she can comfortably represent that she can text or call me at any time. And I will always take her call that we have a weekly standing call every Monday at 9 a.m. that is on the calendar for us to review issues that she and I pick up the phone and call each other multiple times a week to make sure that we're being proactive to problem solve any issues that are occurring. And um, I've also begun to talk to Megan about ways to sort of open the lines of communication more directly with the player constituents. And so uh, that's still a conversation that's been ongoing, whether it's in the form of office hours and players could dial in one, you know, if I set an hour once a month or whatever it is, and players could just dial in and ask me questions. Um, or if there's another mechanism to provide that access directly to the players, I'm, I'm very interested in showing up for them uh, so that they can feel comfortable that I'm accessible and responsive and interested in what they care about. Yeah, I think your accessibility is outstanding. And I know you've only been in that job for a short amount of time, but I can already tell the temperature changed since you took over. So great job with that. I know you've only got a few minutes left. I want to talk about some of the great sponsors that you have as part of the league. Budweiser, Delta, Nike, Verizon, MasterCard. I mean, you have some real blue chip sponsors that are part of this league now. How have you attracted those sponsors? Like, what's your pitch to them? when you're going to them saying, be a part of what the NWSL is building? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, the pitch is pretty simple, which is that, you know, we are a league that's being built for the next generation of fans. Our fan base is young. They're digitally savvy. We know from the data that women's sports fans are more active as fans because they had to be. They had to work harder to be fans of their teams. And so it's a highly engaged, disproportionately, in a positive way, engaged fan base. 
Uh, we know that the next generation of fans and consumers are interested in diversity and they're interested in cause and purpose and mission-driven organizations. And we are that solution every single time we our, our athletes get on the pitch and play in a match. They stand for more than just the game. And that is what brands are looking for today authentically. And we offer that without having to really do much more than turn on the lights and let people in the door because our athletes are cultural icons and they've transcended sport. And so um, there's a lot of interest from the corporate community. And we're really ideating around thinking about a new way of selling and thinking about a, a really um, packaging a value proposition that's really focused on the player experience. And you see that with the UKG deal that we just announced that has compensation as part of the deal going directly to the players to give them really an unprecedented incentive from a financial reward perspective to compete in the Challenge Cup. And we're talking to our incumbent partners even about ways that we can enhance our partnerships to have a, a player focus. And I think that will all of that will contribute to a lot of the things that you've been asking me about today, which include retaining and attracting best talent. It includes rebuilding trust with the players. It includes engaging our fan base so that they know that we care about our fans, we care about our players, and we care about them knowing that we're going to do everything we can to support them. And so all of those elements are what are really contributing to our success. Well, I'll tell you this, I have a lot of commissioners and owners on this show, and I've gotten to know the people at Angel City FC really well. I've had Abby Wambach on this show. I love the blueprint that they've laid out there. And I love that some of their sponsors as part of the sponsorship, you're also contributing to their community programs and it's so much more than just about soccer with them. And I really like what you guys are building. And I love what Angel City FC has done there. Yeah, I, I think um, really when, when you and I met Brian back in my NHL days, this is what I was doing at the NHL. I was revamping the NHL social impact and community programs to build the value proposition under the concept of a do good and do well model that we can build community programs that impact social that have a social impact in their communities and also leverage that to grow our business and so that for me was a journey that began in the early 2010s so the fact that I'm now at a league that can really like stand on top of that authentically and we have Angel City paving pioneering that um, as well as many of our other teams who are also thinking about the intersection of purpose and profit as it relates to the growth of our business is just a huge motivator and so inspiring for me. Jessica Berman, the commissioner of the NWSL, follow her on Twitter at Jessica Berman1. Jessica, congratulations on this job. I think you are the perfect person for this role. I love to see what you're building. I have a daughter, so I... I, I you know, just think this is great. I was on stage this week at Sports PR Summit with Hallie Rosen from Just Women's Sports and with Hillary Knight, the mm -hmm. class, uh, women's hockey player. And, you know, just listening to them speak, I'm so excited about the future of women's sports. Yeah, me too. Well, there's room for everybody on, on the train. So 
we're uh, we're excited to have yours and other people's support. Jessica, thanks so much for joining me on Sports Business Radio. Thank you. Now with NBA playoffs underway, Major League Baseball underway, NHL playoffs, I am on my Underdog Fantasy app every night. Underdog Fantasy is the official gaming partner of Sports Business Radio. It's the fastest growing fantasy app ever released with investors that include Mark Cuban, Kevin Durant, Adam Schefter, Jared Goff, and many more. The Underdog Fantasy app is available at underdogfantasy.com on iOS or on Android. I love it. I play a lot of Pick'em. I do Rivals. There's Best Ball. It makes watching the games a lot more fun. So we've got a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. New users can get up to $100 matched on their first deposit when they use the code SBR. So download the app at underdogfantasy.com and then enter the promo code SBR to get up to $100 to play with. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. And thanks to our partner, Molka Sports, for powering Sports Business Radio. Learn more about them online at molkasports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A sports.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions, griggsproductions.com.